Managing money is time-consuming, difficult, and well, sometimes just stressful. Does it leave you confused, exhausted, and frustrated? Having those countless arguments with your parents and rant sessions with your friends all leading to the same piece of advice. You need to spend responsibly and save money. But the real question is, how? How do you achieve this? Well, come discover the simple truths about money with Finlect. Better yet, deep dive with us in our weekly podcasts and learn the most practical tips and tricks that can help you lead that life of financial stability. Today we continue our conversation with Saif, the Islamic finance expert. He goes into depth on the what, why, and how of Islamic finance, and we also delve into how Islamic finance is contributing to sustainability. We hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, great. So my next question is, what are the basic benefits? If you had to like point out three, the top three benefits of an individual subscribing to Islamic finance versus another one. Say, for example, this is again a personal case. When I was looking to have a fixed deposit here in the UAE, I found it reasonably difficult to get an, uh, to uh, make a fixed deposit account here because the interest rates are very low. Uh, in comparison to maybe getting it done at a west, you know, at a Western bank or maybe back, you know, in my own country, because there I wouldn't be bound by the, uh, you know, rules and regulations of Islamic finance. So, can you explain exactly what are the benefits of following Islamic finance? Okay, now. You see that again. It, it's a it's a broad question, but I know where you're coming from. So I will try to break it down. So first reason why many individuals subscribe to uh, Islamic finance is because it aligns with their faith-based values, right? So this okay. is this is one of the major reasons why individuals go. To. But again, uh, I have to go one step back because in Malaysia, uh, more than fifty percent of customers of Islamic banks are actually non-Muslims. Oh, okay. Right. So it's not that Islamic finance only serves Muslims or they see your uh, what's your what's your faith-based values. Uh, it, it welcomes non-Muslims, and the same goes for banks in the UAE and abroad. In fact, what attracts individuals to any bank, whether conventional bank or Islamic bank, is the value of the services. You know how good are they as as a company, as a firm, as a bank. So, you know, I, I can't say I can't make a casual phrase and say that you know go to Islamic bank because you'll get the best services. Not necessary. Or go to conventional bank because you'll get the best services. Not necessary. You know, each bank is very different. Or how, for example, just to give you an analogy, in my country, in Bahrain at least. Uh, HSBC, I mean, uh, is not the most friendly bank. Even though it's an international bank, getting done anything with them, whether it's an auto loan, whether it is, you know, opening a bank account, a simple bank account, it's very challenging because they have so many rules and so many procedures and, you know, they have so many, uh, you know, things to do just before you can open a simple bank account. Right. right? So, but if you go to, you know, Al-Baraka Bank Bank or Ithmar Bank back in uh, Bahrain, or maybe here at Dubai Islamic Bank in Dubai, It'll be pretty easy, you know. You just provide them your EID or your basic uh, documentation, and you'll get your service. So it right. depends from institutions to institution. Uh, the third or the second, actually, the second benefit, what you as individual would look for, is making sure that the money you deposit in these institutions is not used in a in a bad way or in an unethical way. So just to give you an example, according to research by I think Facing Finance since 2013, a total of 24 European 
financial institutions have lent around 56 billion dollars to tobacco companies like Philip Morris or British American Tobacco. Okay. You know, the same goes for breweries, casinos. I mean, if you actually go on the websites, they actually have dedicated page for uh, the decent sectors. And would you want, as an individual, to lend to sectors which are really not value-added to society, whether it's you know tobacco, whether it's uh, casinos, you know, right? So if you if if you have a, if you have a, you know. uh value based uh if you want to do your banking in a value based model then it's best to avoid institutions which lend in such a, to such industries so some banks you'll never find them you know loaning or find provide financing to institutions like these right uh, so right. these are three in general uh you know uh key reasons why institutions or why individuals like yourself can actually bank towards some bank again it depends on institution to institution Right and it's it's really interesting that you mentioned that you know it's a very value based system because you know the trends are also showing that young people are even in terms of investment like when they actually individually invest in stocks they're leaning towards the ESG investment opportunities exactly. that the environmental social and you know like social governance kind of in, you know investment opportunities which is essentially exactly. impact invest investing right exactly yeah yeah so it kind of ties in really well with that aspect so it's it's not like you have to go outside separately and invest in esg all you have to do is maybe subscribe to Islamic finance. It's all about what you need and exactly. what is being uh, given to you. So um, exactly, and you know, the, the more yeah. interesting thing is, uh, I mean, I remember seeing a TikTok, and there was an individual in the sustainable finance field, which uh, you know, it's there are many parallels between Islamic finance and sustainable finance. Okay. Uh, and the research they had produced is that if you actually invest your money in sustainable projects, you are to gain more returns compared to a conventional or, or a you know fund which doesn't care about uh, these sustainable. Values. values you know being good actually pays you more of course especially now because we're seeing you know the impact of uh, whether it's you know organizations or individuals or communities that invested in you know social and environmental sustainability they're just doing so much better but to be fair i think it's it's important to have a slightly balanced perspective so if you had to tell me especially because you work you know in the core field of islamic finance what is maybe one or two dis- what are the one or two disadvantages that kind of uh, are a byproduct of using islamic finance good question that's a fantastic question you have now you know as with anything you know you're you're restricting yourself to certain opportunities so right. uh, so for example i may see that this derivative product or this you know this firm which engages in alcohol for example you know it's offering me 15% return for example but mm-hmm. because of the values i have you know i may not entertain such investments correct yeah. so there there could be venues where uh, you know i mean i may actually have to accept lower returns but this is not always the case by the way so for example uh, if you see s&p 500 islamic mm-hmm. which is a broad index uh, which captures you know all the largest 500 companies in the us which are shady compliant and compared to s&p 500 which is uh, the 500 companies which are which are uh, uh, which are basically normal companies which which are don't necessarily follow islamic finance oh, they could be all, islamic they could be non islamic yeah basically yeah. all companies largest finance, the largest finance companies in the us mm-hmm. in many many instances you know s&p 500 islamic actually outperformed s&p 500 ah, okay okay right so the reasons are very clear because as you had said in the beginning you know it's many of these institutions which are uh, you know which are very compliant are actually uh, you know better from an environmental perspective uh, they have low debt uh, services they, you know, they, they are better run companies 
issues. That's the reason, you know, there are many times she complained. All right, Seth, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what the current situation, especially with the kind of, you know, news about financial instability everywhere, how is this kind of impacting the world of Islamic finance? Well, it definitely has, uh, I mean, it's impacting everybody. Let's admit that. It's not really limited to, you know, Europe or the US as, you know, we have seen the last time, right? So it's, it's in the most practical sense, it's a global pandemic and its impact is very global, especially towards the financial services sector. But uh, if you look at the evidence from past experiences, we know that Islamic finance is actually better for the global economy, for the global financial architecture. So uh, there are numerous studies done by the IMF, by the World Bank, uh, which, you know, for example, they had clearly stated that, you know, comparing the performance of Islamic banks to conventional banks would suggest that Islamic banks perform better. Uh, this is this is in the words of IMF. And even uh-huh. Christine Lagarde, who is the ex-managing director of the International Monetary Fund, she said this in 2015 that uh, Islamic finance has in principle uh, the potential to promote financial sector stability. I mean, you know, this is uh, very important because if your foundation of uh, if the foundations of financial system is strong, its ability to serve the people is better. So a, okay. a refinancial system, you know, it, it 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 kind of stops people from accessing financial services in a better way. One of the reasons, or few few of the reasons why this is so, why Islamic banks are better positioned than conventional banks is because Islamic finance deal with the real economy. Right, so it's okay. not artificial. Uh, it's not. It's not the uh, artificial economy. It's the real economy. It's the real goods and services. It's it's the real. It's the real real buildings, real investments, real estate investments. So the money is flowing towards the actual assets and not something fictitious, uh, as it's very commonly seen in commercial banks, where money is not going towards real assets. And uh, right. So, so essentially, is, so essentially, yeah. Islamic finance doesn't believe in those bubbles that cause these financial global financial crises. Exactly. 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 Right. My last question to you is just to, just to kind of understand the technical aspects of this interest-free banking world. So how does it work and how do they manage to do banking in this way and provide a fairer opportunity for the subscriber of such a financing opportunity? What happens to the Islamic bank in general is uh, where an Islamic bank, let's say, let's say you want to buy a Lexus for some reason. So okay. uh, in a conventional bank, what happens is, uh, you know, you go to the bank, you say, I want to buy this Lexus and they will essentially loan you the money. So they'll, if it's worth, let's say 100,000 dirhams, uh, they, will, uh, they, will, they will say to you, okay, this is the money in your bank account. I want, you know, 5% interest over it over, over a period of five years or as you, as you guys decide. Right. So you see, the, what's happening is essentially the bank is loaning you the money, and the money is being transferred from their bank from from the bank to your bank account. In a Islamic banking model, what happens is you go to the bank and you say to them, "Hey guys, I want to actually you know, buy this Lexus. Uh, you know, how should I get this facility? Or what, do, what can you guys help me out?" So what the bank will do is they will buy the asset itself. So this is step one. The the bank will actually get in their books the Lexus. So they will buy the asset. For let's say you know 500,000 uh, dirhams, and uh, they will sell to you the asset at let's say 600,000 dirhams. Ah, okay. It's essentially um, 
a different way to look at the problem right yeah yeah the the difference is that it's uh, in in the first format it's a loan agreement right, uh, right. Th- there's a loan transaction in the second scenario it's a, it's a it's a buying and selling transaction okay but essentially so the same amount of money is being charged right essentially the, exactly besides banks what they do is they essentially have to give you at market rate so they you know if, if hsbc gives you at 4% Islamic Bank cannot charge you, you know, ridiculously high. They have to be competitive with the market. So uh, they, they will buy the asset and sell it to you at a market premium. And, uh, you know, you will actually return the money or whatever is due to you and due course. But the catch is that if, for example, uh, for some reason, you're not able to pay the bank back, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you lost your job or God forbid something happens. What, uh, in the conventional banking system, they have something called compounding, where uh, you know every month, you know, uh, a, a, a stream of return gets increased every year, right? It's, right. You know, so you're basically paying more interest on the initial yeah. agreement. Yeah. Yes. On the unpaid amount, basically, right? Yes. In Islamic financial services, there is no late payment fee in terms of you know the bank cannot earn from you not paying the money. Ah, oh, okay. So. Uh, the, in other words, if if the bank, if you have to pay the bank, let's say five thousand dirhams, uh, the bank cannot come and say to you that, uh, hey guy, you know, uh, you know, since you didn't pay, you know, this much amount, we owe from you more money, and we have the ability to benefit from you or you know, exploit you in some ways. So, what happens in the case when I'm not able to pay the due? Do they uh, take my asset, or do do I still get to keep the asset? You may get the asset. Uh, but the thing is, you don't get uh, the, uh, what happens is you only get or they only get what's due to them, and the rest of the balance is returned to you. Ah, all in right. other words, uh, okay. in, in other words, what happens is uh, there's no compounding. In other words, if you're due five thousand, you won't be charged more than five thousand. In contrast to conventional finance, where if you're due five thousand, you know every month till let's say hundred years, the money keeps just increasing and compounding. Right, so it yeah. become five thousand to six thousand to seven thousand. In an Islamic financial model, the amount stays uh, the same. Okay, so it's like even ten years later, I would pay the exact same amount. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's an advantage for the customer, but the bank exactly. probably not so much. The bank will not benefit from the right. bank will not. But again, if you if you're a consumer, you're at a better place, right? Yeah, exactly. From a consumer perspective. Yeah. So um, thank you for teaching me so much today. I am really, really, uh, I think I've, I'm, like I said before, the way I look at finance, especially Islamic finance has changed quite a bit. So thank you so much, Seth, for, for coming on board and teaching us so much. We're super, super lucky to have you. And if you have any, uh, you know, ending remarks, please go for it. Uh, firstly, again, uh, I would like to reiterate that you guys are doing an amazing job of you know educating people or, or people in your friend circle of you know, what's how, how to better manage your money right this is something which most people struggle with people not, not only young people people who are old also struggle with and i've seen people who you know who who really fall down steep because of wrong financial decisions right. so you're really doing an amazing job and i must salute you for it so keep the good work going forward Thank you so much, Seth. This was super fun and we are hoping to have you on another one of these podcasts to help us understand maybe...